You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado. It is season three, episode 44 of season three, episode 109 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. Today, we're going to talk about being sick. I debated whether to record because I'm not feeling my best. I am, in fact, sick. But I thought, what the hey? I kind of want to do something and have as much normalcy as possible when I'm not feeling well. I really hate doing nothing. I hate lying around. I hate waiting. I hate getting nothing accomplished. I hate it, hate it, hate it. And so getting a podcast recorded sounds not like the worst thing, especially if I'm not going to get a whole heck of a lot else done until I'm better and over this. It all started Friday night for me personally, although it's been going on all week for my family. It started within the family with our youngest son, John. He got sick, I think it was either Sunday night or Monday night, right around dinner time. Didn't seem like he had much of an appetite. And then, lo and behold, next thing we knew, he was blowing chunks and didn't feel well, threw up several times throughout the night. And next thing we know, the next day, Enoch, the next one up, was sick. And then the next thing we knew, everybody was getting it. Lauren, my wife, actually got whatever it was, this bug, the stomach bug. She got it towards the end of the week. And Wednesday night, Thursday morning, was a lot of her just not sleeping And so she ended up going into the emergency room on Thursday morning. I ended up calling in sick to work, staying home, helping her get some rest, helping take care of the other kiddos that were sick. And then it seemed like Friday, everybody was doing a lot better. Not 100%, but a lot better. No more of the kids were showing symptoms. Josiah, I think, is the only one besides... No, Josiah and Daniel. Yeah, Josiah and Daniel both. Uh, didn't have any symptoms the whole week. Hopefully, knock on wood, they uh, don't get it at all at this point. But I ended up Friday night, right before bed, not feeling so hot, and then tossed and turned all night long. I just could not get comfortable. My stomach was in knots, and... I felt like if I wasn't careful, I was going to throw up. But here's a fun fact about me, and I'm sorry. Anybody that tuned into an episode titled When You're Sick, if you don't want to hear about this kind of stuff, throwing up and all that, like, I don't know. I don't know why you tuned into this episode. But I hate, 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 hate throwing up. It is one of the worst things in life as far as I'm concerned. It's right up there on my top five with people touching their eyeballs. I also think that's awful, horrible. Uh, But throwing up is just one of the absolutely worst things I can think of. 
And for that very reason, anytime I get sick with something that could result in me throwing up, I just keep it tamped down. I just do not, I refuse to throw up. Even if I'm going to be sick for three times as long or a week or two weeks or whatever, I just will not throw up. I just hate it. And I was trying to do that Friday night, lying awake, tossing and turning. No position was comfortable. Could not sleep. And I made it the whole night through. And then pretty early on in the morning on Saturday, yesterday morning, I lost my battle with the bug. And it got the better of me. And, you know, to be entirely honest, it felt much, much better. I felt much better after I uh, threw up. But, yeah, still a bummer. It's been going through the house. And it's something my wife commented on. She said that she thinks that's the first time I have thrown up or gotten sick like that since... She was pregnant with Josiah, our oldest. So we're talking about nearly 14 years that I have just refused to throw up. No kidding. Like, actual fact. The last time I remember she remembers me throwing up was way, way back. And that was an epic one. That was... That was folly on my part. It wasn't a stomach bug. It was food poisoning, and I food poisoned myself. I had a can of corned beef and hash, which used to be a favorite of mine, but no longer. But I had a can of this, and we were living with my in-laws at the time. We couldn't afford a place of our own, and so we had one of their extra rooms. And I was working on this can of corned beef and hash, and I didn't finish it the day that I opened it. And then the next day I found it and I thought, oh, shoot, I forgot to finish this. There's still a third of a can in here. And me being about 20 years old and dumb and not having particularly good judgment, I thought, well, you know what? I just, I hate, I hate to waste it. Maybe I'll, I'm just going to give it to the dog. And the dog is even like, oh, no, nope, you know, whimpering as it scurries off to hide under a table with its tail between its legs. That should have been my sign, actually. Uh, True story, when the dog doesn't want to eat the food that was out all night, that's probably a good indication that you shouldn't either. Just let that be the canary in the coal mine for you. I didn't let that be my warning. I thought, well... The dog's a little picky, and I will go ahead and just, I'm going to polish this off because I was raised to not waste good food. Well, good food, right? Key distinction there, good food. Don't waste good food. This was not good food anymore. That that time had come and gone to waste good food or not. That That time was the day before when I opened the can and didn't finish it how was the time to not waste good food? A day later, when it's been out, and it's the summer, and I can't remember. I think I had blue cheese dressing in there, which is so weird. So you're probably, I'm probably making you sick now, uh, thinking of corned beef and hash in a can, eating out of the can with blue cheese dressing in it, out all day in the heat, and the dog won't even eat it. 
Long story short, I I was violently ill, violently ill that night. Uh, there's a sound. Anybody who's seen the, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings films is familiar with the sound of the ring wraiths. That's the sound that I made in the middle of the night. I was so violently ill. And literally, like we're talking about a brick house made in the mid-1800s, like thick walls. I woke everybody in the house up with that one. Uh, Violently ill. But ever since then, I have just decided I don't I don't want to throw up. That was enough. That was enough for a lifetime. And uh, I'm good now. Don't need to do that anymore. Let's just not do that anymore. Uh, Until yesterday morning. And so after doing that, throwing up business, I really just didn't do a whole lot else all day. I tried a couple of times because, like I said, I hate, 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 hate just lying around. I hate doing nothing. I hate getting nothing accomplished. I have a bias for action. I want to be up and about. I want to be getting stuff done. And I didn't even feel well enough to sit at my computer. That's how. That's when you know it's bad. I didn't want to sit and play Civilization VI. I didn't want to do anything. And so I ended up having my dear sweet wife and kiddos waiting on me. And they did a great job of that. Lauren brought me some Chick-fil-A and uh, the boys brought me some ice cream for lunch because, hey, it sounds good, right? It sounds gentle on my stomach, and it was a hot day. And I just laid on the couch and watched The Story of Wales, which is not W-H-A-L-E-S. It's W-A-L-E-S on Curiosity Stream. Curiosity Stream, by the way, small segue, small rabbit trail, because I love rabbit trails. I should have been a rabbit, apparently. Uh, Curiosity Stream is a, a pretty neat little streaming service that we ended up signing up for. I signed up for one whole year because it was cheaper, and it is just documentaries. That's all it is, documentaries, and uh, there are a lot of documentaries that I wouldn't necessarily have seen anywhere else probably. Uh, there's a little bit of BBC material in there some David Attenborough material in there, but a lot of uh, probably lower-budget documentaries that are not half bad, actually. And because of the volume, they're dealing in volume and quantity and uh, and just some odd topics, it's actually it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool service. And so I'm not feeling well. And I don't feel like laying in bed all day after having tossed and turned in my bed all night, even though I'm tired. I feel like I can't quite fall asleep, but I can't really quite stay awake. So I'm just going to be in and out of consciousness, guys. You know, I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm going to turn on a documentary or a series of documentaries. And so I watched this one on, what was it, The, the Last Shaw of Iran? That was a really interesting one. And I realized something, by the way. Uh, I realized that I was really not familiar enough with the politics of Iran. For some ludicrous reason, 
I was thinking that uh, Khomeini was still alive, but apparently the Ayatollah died in 1989, or the, it's not a, it's not the same Ayatollah. I guess it's a different Ayatollah. I guess Ayatollah Khomeini is the current Ayatollah, but there was a different one that was involved in the overthrowing of the Shah of Iran. Um, I apparently have some more studying to do on that, but that's part of why it was interesting to get into some Curiosity Stream yesterday. Another really interesting series I found on there was the story of Wales, which is, if you can guess it, the history of the country of Wales, this kind of lesser-known cousin within Great Britain or the United Kingdom. England gets a lot of press. Scotland, where my ancestors hail from, has Braveheart and William Wallace and all of that. And I still favor Scotland over the other British Isles. Ireland is, of course, where St. Patrick comes from and St. Patrick's Day. But what comes from Wales? Well, the Prince of Wales. Who's the Prince of Wales? Right now, Charles is, because he's not King Charles. But why is he the Prince of Wales? How does that work? He's going to be the King of England, but right now he's the Prince of Wales. What else comes from Wales? I have no idea. Welsh music, maybe? I don't I don't know. The only Welsh music I know is Alt-J. And Alt-J is this alternative, oddball uh, music that my cousin Brent actually turned me on to several years ago. And I have a whole bunch of it in my phone. It's very interesting if you've never heard it. But otherwise, what comes from Wales? I don't. It's like Wales has just been that tote uh, of, of summer clothes that got lost in the attic about 10 years ago. And you forgot that you even owned these things. And you pull the tote out. And it's like, oh, that's where that went. <gasps> oh, I've been looking for this for 10 years. I forgot we even had it. I thought we gave it away or whatever, right? That's the country of Wales. Scotland is the Christmas tree you pull out every year. And Ireland is your Thanksgiving decorations and Wales is a tote of summer clothes that you forgot you had for 10 years. Wales, according to Wikipedia, had a population in 2011 of 3,063,456 people, has a total area of 8,023 square miles, it has over 1,680 miles of coastline and is largely mountainous with its higher peaks in the north and central areas, including Snowdon, its highest summit. The country lies within the north temperate zone and has a changeable maritime climate. I actually would not mind visiting Wales. Not because of fantastic things that have happened there, but because it just seems like a quiet part of the world. It seems like it's not been quite so busy, quite so rambunctious as other parts of the world. Not that they haven't had wars and battles in Wales. I learned yesterday throughout most of the day 
watching almost this entire six-part, one-hour-per-episode series, but not to the level did Wales have conflict with Britain compared to Scotland and Ireland. Ireland, the English wanted to exterminate the native inhabitants at various points in their history because they hated them so badly. The Irish were stubbornly Catholic and they didn't want to embrace Anglicanism. They didn't accept the Protestant kings of England and Great Britain. They did not appreciate English rule over them. Scotland liked its Presbyterianism and its Catholicism didn't so much appreciate Anglicanism and really didn't appreciate English rule. So the English had a very fiery relationship with Scotland and Ireland. It seems like the Irish had the worse of it as far as getting whacked with an English stick. The Scottish seems like, at least to my reading, gave as good as they got for quite a long time. And the Welsh conceded the inevitability of joining with England pretty early on. They decided that it was best to just pay homage to, I believe it was King Henry III, and that Wales would be its own independent kingdom, its own independent nation, state, what have you, and that the Prince of Wales was a fine enough title for their ruler, he didn't need to be known as the King of Wales. Prince came from the Latin principal or principal ruler. It was enough to be called a prince because what's the difference? We don't need him to be called a king. He is the prince of our people. The Prince of Wales would be subordinate and pay homage and swear fealty to the King of England and that would be that. Now, it didn't end there because there were some efforts at changing the arrangement in subsequent decades and centuries from when that initial arrangement was made. But the Welsh seem like, for the most part, they have accepted their fate. They have accepted the fact that they are in close proximity to the English, the English are a bit more aggressive and assertive and dominant, and the Welsh are content to be happy commercial partners. They don't need to be so independent. They want to assert their own individual identity, yes, but they're content to be partners. So I'm watching this series on Wales and not feeling particularly well yesterday, and I had some realizations and they're not necessarily the most profound realizations but why not share them with you if you or someone you know is sick has been sick it's a funny thing to read history or to watch and listen to history when you're sick when you're not feeling up to doing much of anything and my wife has shared with me memes that poke fun at the difference between when men and women get sick. Women get sick and they carry on much as they 
typically would, supposedly, according to the memes. Men get sick, and you think they're going to die. Well, call me silly, call me ridiculous, but I tend to act more like I'm going to die when I get sick, when I throw up and I can't do anything but lay around all day. It does cause me to think a little bit more about my mortality. I'm not able to do much. What if somebody broke in and I couldn't fight them off? Well, then I guess I'd be toast, wouldn't I? I'm not able to get much accomplished today. I'm not able to clean and not able to even really sit at my computer and pay bills. I'm not able to respond to calls or texts asking if I have time for a call. I don't have time to take a look at an Excel spreadsheet for my brother. I was going to revamp that if I can, figure out a clever way of making it modular and adjustable easily for his preventative maintenance crew at Oxy. I don't feel like doing anything at all. I don't feel up for anything. I just feel awful. And is this how I'll feel when I am about to die? And isn't that a funny thing? Isn't that an odd thing to think of dying? Maybe you don't have those kinds of thoughts go through your head when you're feeling sick, but I do. And so I get in this funny, overly dramatic, melodramatic frame of mind where I'm almost apologizing to Lauren, like, I don't know why you keep me around. I'm not good for anything. You've been sick for eight hours. Calm down, right? Like, that's kind of the way she <laughs> approaches it. Uh, she's been doing a great job helping to take care of me, give me food that I was able to eat and making sure that I was in good shape and running interference if the kids were being too rambunctious or jumping on me or something like that. But at a certain point, I think she helps me by letting me know I'm being a little bit overly dramatic in the way that I'm responding to not feeling the best. I think, too, not feeling well, getting sick, it causes me to appreciate all the more when we do have our health. Now, when I'm not feeling well and my kids are feeling well, and they're feeling super energetic, and they're not necessarily listening the first time they're told to do things, that gets to be frustrating because it's like, good heavens, if I died today of whatever this bug is that I've got, I'm not finished, right? I'm not done yet. I need to finish parenting you. I need to finish raising you. And so maybe there's a silver lining of sorts in that you test your progress on raising your children sometimes when you're not feeling well. How are we doing with that? Sometimes I am highly impressed with the way that my kids can be empathic and considerate and kind. My son Daniel came up yesterday. He said, Dad, how are you feeling? I said, oh, I felt better. He's like, well, I'm sorry that you're not feeling well. I hope you get to feeling better soon. Do you need anything? I'm good, son. Thank you. Well, it's sweet of him, right? He said it in a very older-than-his-years way. He was just very genuine about it and very caring, right? Good on you, son. Evelyn and John both took turns laying down with me on the couch watching these shows that I'm sure they had no inherent interest in watching 
in and of themselves, but because I was watching them, all of a sudden they didn't mind so much learning about the history of Wales. And that was sweet. I enjoyed that. But it behooves us to not take our health for granted. If God has given us good health, we should thank him for it. We should remember to be thankful for it. If he's given our spouse and our children good health, we should be praising him because that shouldn't be a given. That shouldn't be taken for granted. It's not to be assumed. Not everybody has such good health. To some extent, my occasional frustration, impatience, lack of understanding with my wife's health problems over the years comes into a better focus when all of a sudden I'm the one that's not feeling so well. And she even told me yesterday that to some extent it's nice being able to help take care of me for a change. And it's so weird with me being the one feeling sick for a change. She appreciates all the more what it is for me to be trying to take care of her and the kids running interference on things when she's not feeling well, when she hasn't been feeling well for years, is only recently here starting to feel well again. It casts our circumstance in a new light for me to now be the one who's laid up on the couch, unable to do much of anything, feeling miserable. But so also the other direction, where maybe I have a little bit better empathy, I'm a little bit more considerate, compassionate, for the fact that she's not feeling so great, hasn't been feeling so great, when all of a sudden I'm not feeling so great. And I think about how I want to be treated in that moment. Do I want to be scolded? Do I want to be told to rub some dirt in it and walk it off? Not that I tell her those things, but if that is in any measure my attitude, is that the attitude that I want to be spoken to in when I'm feeling miserable? Of course not. So I think in a moment where you or I are not feeling well, those around us are not feeling well, we can complain. We could say, ah, that's awful, right? Why? Woe is me. Why does this always happen to me? We can get very self-indulgent about it and just wallow in our misery. Or... We can take that opportunity to analyze and assess what a blessing it is when we do have good health, when we're not sick. If I'm not able to keep food down properly or in because I just feel like my stomach's in knots and it's growling at me and it's just, you know, heartburn city, whatever it is that I eat, can't get comfortable. Any position I lay in, sit in, stand in, it's all awful. That should make me appreciate all the more when none of that's the case, when I don't even have to think about eating, when I don't even have to think about resting or sitting or moving around or doing things or talking or thinking. And the Lord has a purpose if he's allowed this to happen. He has a purpose for us in these circumstances, in these trying circumstances. If we're being tested, are we paying attention? Are we double-checking our work? in the time that we have left before the exam is over. Well, we should. We should want to test well. You know, I thought to myself this morning as I was getting up, trying to get out of bed, I had just terrible heartburn laying down, and 
Not so much nausea, uh, thankfully. I don't like feeling nauseous. I probably am just putting a mental block on nausea, just telling my body, nope, 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 not allowed. Verboten. Nausea is verboten. Uh, But heartburn, haven't figured out how to block that one out just yet. So I have a ton of that, and laying down, it seems like it made it worse. So I get up, and I'm milling about, trying to get some clothes on for the day, and everybody else is asleep still. And I'm just thinking to myself, which is easier to do when the house is quiet, everybody's in bed still. And I'm thinking to myself about how I have this notion that I'm going to live forever. Why do I have this idea that I'm going to live forever, that I'm never going to die? Is that reasonable? And can I even wrap my head around that? Well, to some extent, it is reasonable, actually. Highly reasonable. I'm a Christian, not just because it gives me something to talk about. It gives me something to do and think about and places to go and people to meet. I'm a Christian not because, first and foremost, it's a traditional thing. I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the Son of God, the only begotten Son of the Father, and that he lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin. He was arrested on false charges. He was beaten, mocked, ultimately crucified, died, and was buried, and rose from the dead by the power of God, by the grace of God, three days later. I believe that, and as Paul writes in the New Testament, if we only have hope for this life, then we are above all people to be most pitied. If Christ is not risen, then our faith is in vain. And we are actually lying about God because we claim that God raised Jesus from the dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then what are we doing? Why are we claiming that he was raised from the dead? Why are we believing that? Our hope is in resurrection. Our hope is in living forever with God. God making all things new again, making creation new again as good or better as it was prior to the fall and to the curse which sin brought into the world. No thorns and thistles, work not being toilsome, the field that you plant your seeds in not resisting you, no more sickness and sorrow and death. But what Jesus did for us makes it reasonable to hope in that. So then when I think to myself, when I have this unconscious attitude that I'm going to live forever, well, don't you know, that's the whole idea of Christianity, is that we were made to live forever. We weren't made to live and eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Yes, eat. Yes, drink. But what is the end goal? What's the point of it all? Is the point merely self-indulgence or is the eating and the drinking and the being merry an accessory to the main event? If I'm having a little bit of a hard time eating and drinking and being merry this weekend because I'm not feeling well, maybe tomorrow I die physically, 
To live is Christ, to die is gain. The object of my faith is Christ. It's not getting up, milling about, getting things accomplished. The object of my faith is not what I accomplish, although I have a bias for action, and I do want to be busy and productive, accomplishing things, achieving things. The object of my faith cannot be my doing that. The object of my faith needs to be what God in Christ Jesus has already done. Keeping that in view, I can rest even when I'm feeling a bit worthless at the moment because my worth is not tied to how much I can produce, whether I took that call out at 4.30 in the morning, made a few hundred extra dollars on this paycheck. My worth is not tied to whether I can get up, clean out my email inbox, answer a phone call, manage the bill paying this morning. It'll be there this evening. It'll be there this afternoon. My worth is not contingent on whether I look muy guapo right at the moment. My worth is based on the fact that I am created in God's image and I was bought with a price. Ask God about my worth because he's the one that determines it. So, with all that said, which, by the way, thanks Luke Bergman for giving me that idea for a substitute phrase. Luke is a friend of mine here in Greeley. He's a cop with the Greeley Police Department. Good guy, good family, love them dearly. Really appreciate having the privilege of knowing them. And Luke's been listening through my podcasts, and he said he laughs every time he hears me say anyways. He said it's like uh, I've just suddenly woken from a rabbit trail stream of consciousness distraction and I'm trying to brush off the dream. And he recommended, with all that said, as perhaps an alternative to saying anyways, something a little less dismissive, a little less flippantly undermining uh, my words, not his. So with all that said, thank you for listening. Be well, stay healthy out there, take your vitamin C, drink plenty of water, get good rest. Till next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.